Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy Downtown Boosie back at it again with another fun episode. Episode number four, Bobby fucking all coming at you uh, on a beautiful Wednesday morning as this drops. Um, as you can hear, we're probably a minute into the episode. You have not heard any fucking beeping yet. That's that's right, baby. I got my uh, I got my smoke detectors fixed, and it's about fucking time. I could not fucking stand that last week, and uh, you guys let me, you guys uh, let me have it last week. Yeah, last week you guys let me have it, so I deserve that. But go fuck yourselves because I was rattled. But episode number four brought to you by Black and Gold Productions LLC. I'm still part of the team, baby. Still going strong. Let's go. And uh, this week, I I uh, I have a new co-host. I moved on from uh, my co-host, the Smoke Alarms. They did not do the job last week, so I I brought my boy Ange on. Um, a lot of you guys know him on Twitter. He he, uh, he creates a lot of great content out there. Um, all right, you guys might know him on Twitter as Born Bruin seventy seven. Uh, he was nice enough to join me this week, save my ass, and uh, we just talked some, you know, Bruins. We talked training camp. We talked, um, Jesus, what? Yeah, we. I think we talked training camp, some dark horses to make the team, and all that good stuff. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to uh, for you guys listening to this one. I had a lot of fun. Before we know it, like I think we were like an hour fifteen into it, hour and a half, whatever. Time flew by. The guy was easy to talk to. Great guy. If you guys heard him on Short Shift Pod, you guys know that this dude is a uh, great dude, and he shares a, he shares an awesome story as well so, uh, as a Bruins fan in Montreal. So I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing that one because it gave me a good laugh. So um, without further ado, I will bring it over to our boy Ange. All right, and now I welcome on good friend Ange, not Ange, Ange of uh, Born Bruin on uh, Twitter. Or do you have? Is it just Born Bruin on Twitter? It's Correct. uh, it's uh, Born Bruin Media at Born Bruin Seven Seven, and go. now there's the new uh, podcast uh, account, which I think is the Born Bruin Podcast at Born Bruin Pod. Love that. Love that. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, we've interacted a lot over Twitter over the last, I would say, year or so when, um, mm-hmm. you know, from when I was with the old team to now I'm kind of on my own, but we've always interacted. You've always been good to me. We've always had some good laughs back and forth at each other over the course mm-hmm. of the season. Uh, what's going on, man? I, I appreciate you hopping on and helping me get through a, <laughs> an episode and as you can hear, there's no there's no beeping. I took care of that. That's taken nice. care of. <laughs> nice. So. Well, listen, I, I listened to the last episode. And by the way, congrats on the new uh, on the new podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's great that you're uh like I was telling the guys on short shift, your your personality really comes out. It's almost like uh, you know, getting to know you in person there listening to the podcast, which is great, you know? Yeah, so, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no problem, man. It's um, I, I I heard the last one, and you said you know DM me, and I wasn't gonna let you go solo dolo again. So, <laughs> like on Twitter, I got your back. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that because I would say my co-host, the Smoke Alarms, didn't do, hold its end on uh, mm-hmm. being the co-host for the week. But yeah, no, I I have um, 
I have you on this week. I'm going to have a friend um on. We spoke over DMs, Melinda. Uh, she's another big Bruins fan out of Maine. Okay. So um, she'll be on pretty soon, if not next week, the following week. And it's I that's why I like the concept of, you know, having my own is just having, you know, friends on, you know, just kind of because it's it's nice to, you know, we interact on Twitter, but it's also nice to, you know, go back and forth over Zoom and, mm-hmm. you know, hear our get our two cents out and, you know, before especially before the season i mean we'll record now together obviously before the season starts we can do a beginning middle and end to uh the brooms possibly and see how far our predictions go and whatnot because we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah no i appreciate you hopping on it's um a pleasure it's, it's thanks a, for having me it's exciting that you're going to be starting your own little uh yeah podcast yeah. that's i you giving us some thoughts yeah, and you're um you're gonna start off like well you're gonna be the only host right and you'll be having guests on if I remember correctly. Uh yeah, I'm gonna have some guests on. I have a buddy of mine uh, uh, here who's a Boston fan too, Gino. I'm trying to uh, twist his arm a little bit into uh, either being a co-host or uh, a semi a semi regular because of the I guess the nature of the podcast. Uh, like I was explaining on short shift. Um, it's going to be, you know, guys talking about their fandom and wherever else the conversation leads, you know, like uh, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I'll switch to music and I'll switch to film and I'll switch to art and I'll have all kinds of different conversations. So it's not really going to be about, um, you know, game recaps and uh, analytics and stuff like that. Those guys have that covered. You cover a bit of it yourself. Me, it's going to be more about getting to know Bruins fans and just other people on uh, on Twitter that can have some hockey relation. So um, having my my buddy Gino on will at least give that um, semi regular uh, Bruins conversation. If the guest that I have on is not a Bruins fan, like I, I like I was saying at towards the end of short shift, I have a good friend of mine coming on who's a comic book artist. Uh, he's been drawing Transformers and, and G.I. Joe comic books. And he recently uh, did uh, this last season, he did um, a practice jersey um, for the Montreal Canadiens. So I'm going to have him on. So he'll talk about not so much the Canadians, but more the process of dealing with creatively with an NHL team, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So the answer to the coast, I guess, is no for now. We'll see where, where that goes. But uh, there's definitely going to be – I have uh, quite a few guests coming on. Um, you know, I'm going to twist your arm to come on too as well. <laughs> you won't have point. to twist it too much. Yeah, you won't have to twist it too much. But, um, no, that's cool. That will be like a whole different aspect to like the whole podcast. And, I mean, you'll get different views from people you get – cool host on and stuff like that so that's that's exciting that's that's pretty cool and um obviously you're a pretty good graphic designer and you have a passion for that and i you know i've bought some of your stickers i stick them on my yeti right away i think i even have one i can't show you because it's on my laptop on the other side but i have one on my laptop as well but no i love your work oh and i got the coasters not in this room but i got your coasters with uh bergeron saint patrice so that's uh that's been nice and it's it's I nice appreciate because the it's, support, man. You're, yeah it's it's nice because 
I'm supporting you and I'm also getting some great artwork. So some cool stuff on the Yeti, some nice coasters for the coffee table. And uh, I also get to look at Bergeron every time I lift up my drink. So can't go wrong with that. Awesome. But tell me about yourself. Um, I know we've interacted a little bit, but how how is it a guy from Montreal, uh, born and raised in Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. How how so how did you become a Bruins fan before we dive into all this? Uh, sure some listeners are intrigued. I was um lucky enough growing up um that uh no one around me was really a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. I had some some uncles that they used to watch the games and they used to I guess pop on the bad bandwagon when they were doing well, which at in the eighties was a lot. But um as I got more and more into the understanding of the game of hockey and my friends were more into it let's say it was around i was 10 or 11 it was uh, 88 so there was that famous series in 88 where you know the habs had beaten the bruins 43 years in a row in the playoffs and um bruins were coming in like underdogs although they had a great team and to be honest, I think I always kind of, at the time, identified with the underdogs, right? So yeah. I think there's there's a there's an aspect to that in sports teams. It's not just about um, where you're from, um, but a lot a lot of it is psychological as well. So I kind of just identified with this team that nobody was giving a chance to, you know, and everybody was so like, you know stuck up and confident and just they, they just assumed they were going to win you know so the yeah. more the series went on and the more i got into it i kind of said you know what whoever wins the series i'll cheer for and i yeah. always say it on twitter thank god the bruins won that series yeah, i can't yeah. picture myself a montreal fan <laughs> I, I probably would have jumped ship at some point yeah yeah no, that, so, that, that's funny. It, it's and it's got to be tough, especially in Montreal. I've only been to um Montreal once. It was like, uh, what was it? It was like the February right before the pandemic started here, at least here in the States. I remember that March is when everything kind of shut down. But I went that February um, and I forget who they had in town, but I stayed at a hotel right near the rink. And kind of like right near downtown. And it was just a normal, it was, you know, a Saturday night. I know they do the whole Hawking Night in Canada and all that, but I mean, it was probably did 10 degrees find, outside. What's that? Did you, did you find, sorry, Montreal, a similar city to Boston? Cause I know a few of us here who have visited Boston comment a lot on how we find the city of Boston very similar. Yeah. No, uh, I, it, it is very similar. I, I would say, I enjoyed the nightlife and just the bars there much better, maybe because I wasn't dealing with Bostonians and whatnot. And it was okay. a nice break from the Bostonians, but it is very similar. Um, like, I don't even, I forget some of the places I went to, but some of the bars just like looked a lot cooler and more like vintage. The ones we went to, we also, um, you know, we got to check out a uh, soccer game. They were playing at the old Expo Stadium. Oh, the Olympic Stadium. Olympic yeah. Stadium, yeah. What mm -hmm. 
you could tell no one's been, when we went there you could tell no one's been there for a while it is yeah <laughs> that's the, uh... but it was cool i i really enjoyed uh montreal it it is very similar to boston which is funny because you know it's boston montreal and the whole rivalry but i know that has nothing to do with it but yeah it is funny and weird to uh compare it but i would say the nightlife was much better in montreal i enjoyed montreal and Great hospitality there. People were very nice to us till they found mm-hmm. out we were Bruins fans. And, you know, they kind of shied away from us after that. But no, it was mm-hmm. cool because we were in, you know, the heart of Montreal. And you could clearly tell that the Canadians had a home game that night. We looked at tickets to go that Saturday night. And I think just to sit in the uh, nosebleeds was probably, you were probably looking at like 250 a ticket. I mm-hmm. forget who they were playing, but. I was like, I sh- I wasn't surprised by it, but I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. It's a steep price for, you know, just a February Saturday night game when the Canadians aren't even doing that well. But no, it was cool. It was cool. I, I definitely at one point I definitely want to go to a game in Montreal. Um, it just I mean, I will say this Montreal, when they do make the playoffs, it is a whole different animal going in there because their whole pregame ceremony and all that with the lights and the fans and everything it is out of this world and it's a lot of teams can't even compare can't even touch what they do for uh the pregame ceremony and and um when they the ceremony they did earlier this year for uh who's that guy who passed away i'm fucking blanking on his name blanking too um um lafleur yeah uh yeah that whole like what was it like 15 20 minute you know standing ovation standing ovation and everything they did it was just out of this world and it was really cool granted i hate montreal but it's funny to hear that perspective right because i and being on twitter that night uh i'm seeing you know all my fellow bruins fans that you know follow me and i follow and everybody was saying how classy and how great that was. And I'm texting with my buddy who lives here, right? And he's a Bruins fan. And we're like, oh, really? Like, just sit the fuck, uh, fuck down and get the game started. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy, the perspectives, you know? Yeah, I guess no, living here, you know, like I hear a lot of Bruins fans say all the time, especially on Twitter, you know, there's nothing like the playoffs when the Bruins are playing Montreal. And I'm like, I never want to play Montreal. Never. Yeah. Because I just, I knowing their history, we always have bad luck against them for the yeah. most part. And I got to deal with it when, when it went and if Montreal ever wins, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be a tough week or two in Montreal, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, but it is fun. It does. It is better for the NHL when those two teams are good and they're playing each other. But I, I just remember, you know, friggin' Carey Price and PK Subban haunting us when PK was in the start of his prime and just blasting those two hundred mile an hour clappers from the blue line, scoring in his electric energy. And nothing pissed me off more than seeing him score when he was with the Canadians, just because he, you felt a huge change in the game when he got on the score sheet. I remember that. And Carey Price in his prime. I mean, there's no one like him. It was unreal so it was always scary playing montreal but it, if i were just a nhl fan not a fan of those two teams that would be one series that i would definitely want to chime in on and uh watch that but yeah i, I, I can only imagine that you guys are so pat i mean bruins fans are passionate themselves but i'm sure it doesn't even compare it to montreal fans up there 
Well, the, the, I, see, I came down to Boston um, in um, 20, 2012. There was the, um, I think it was the, in the fall, um, in October. So the Red Sox weren't playing and the, the NHL was in lockdown. So I literally got a tour, the tour of an empty Fenway Park and I got to see, um, I got to see the garden, the pro shop, or whatever, but there was nothing going on. And my wife, who's not a sports person at all, she kind of follows the Bruins because, you know, she wants a roof over her head type of thing. You know, she has no <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah. Same with the kids kind of thing. Um, but, um, she commented on how she found Boston was a real sports city. Like, and it was infectious. Like, she'll always say, you know, her favorite part of coming to Boston was the Fenway tour because it was the Fenway tour was given by fans. So it was really like, you really saw that passion here. The yeah. passion on to our perspective, anyway, the passion could get a little bit overbearing at times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I'm sure. Especially because in Montreal itself, it's really just the Montreal Canadians. I know that's it. You know, Toronto Raptors and Toronto Blue Jays, but um, you know, Montreal just I, I know they have their MLS team, but I'm sure it's not that much of a big following. Or no. and even if they do have a big following, it's nowhere compared to you know the Canadians out there, but absolutely. But um, yeah, let's so let's dive right into this. Um so I I put out a tweet earlier today, you know, asking if if anyone wants us to uh touch any topic uh touch on any topics today uh our buddy zach taranko or taranko if sorry if i'm saying your last name wrong i i can't help but see his last name and think of tarasenko but if you follow him at at zach underscore taranko t-a-r-a-n-k-o great dude uh just got a gig in the uh in between semesters i believe uh, with the ECHL main Mariners. So good for him. He's a great dude and he always plugs the podcast. So I'm glad he chimed in on this, but he wants to get our thoughts on. Okay. This is another thing too. I've heard like 17 different ways to say this dude's last name, but I say Lysel. I don't know how you pronounce it, but he wants our thoughts on Lysel on I where see, we think I, he'll I, end I'll... up. Lysel. Lysel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, thanks, Zach, for the loaded question. I'll tell you why I find it's a loaded question, because I took the time to actually um, research the roster a little bit just to see what was going on and who we got at center and on the wings. And, and I'm looking at this, and I, I'm seeing this kid, and I'm like, absolutely, you give him a shot. right? Like, even now, just give him a few games. I think it would be better for him to have um, – a full season in the A just for him to develop the physicality um, of playing in the NHL. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, the, the, the skills are undeniable. Uh, they're there. So with the injuries we have, I do think he can crack the roster. My issue is where do we put this guy? Because a lot of the players we have on the roster are, I guess, not untouchables, but you know, you, you are we going to scratch a, a Craig Smith? I don't want this guy playing on the fourth line, and right. I think even playing on the third line, 
this is the type of guy that you would have to try on the top two lines, in my opinion, for yeah. the skills that he has. So you can maybe try him. We're going to try him on the top line. Who are we going to bring down? DeBrusque. But DeBrusque is the other side. Right? He's a, he's a right winger. And even if he plays that side, you bring down DeBrusque, and then we have DeBrusque possibly bitching and complaining that he's not playing top line minutes. You know? Yeah. Um, second line seems to be set, and I don't want to touch that. So you think of the third line, and who are you going to take off that third line to put him in there? And like I said, he's not he's not a guy who's going to come in and play fourth line. Yeah, I, I would say even with the injuries we have to start the season, uh, the, I would say the top three lines are pretty solidified. I would say there's maybe one spot that someone could possibly steal at the end of training camp on that fourth line. But like you said, that's not a guy that you want just to get him reps in the NHL and just bring him up to play fourth line minutes, you know, five to eight minutes a night, you know, and where fourth line, obviously it's, you know, the energy line, they, you know, they four check hard. They make uh, the opposing team's life miserable. They hit and all that. And uh, he's, that's not his game. His game is scoring. His game is using his, he's a, phenomenal skater uh so that that's his game so i would say yeah top six middle six i i you can't just bring him up and have him on the fourth line i don't think it benefits anyone there really mm-hmm. sure maybe he gets a cute little goal and on the fourth line but is he really are we really using him to his you know full ability on the fourth line i think he's best at uh playing a full season Assume, barring any injuries with the big club, obviously, but there's no major injuries or a lot of injuries. I would say give him a full season in the AHL because this is a kid who he's got plenty of skill, but he uh, if he's going to last in the league, he I think he just definitely needs to add that muscle. Uh, that's my biggest worry with him. He was a kid who played in sweden was a sweden before i believe i yeah. believe it was sweden he was before. playing in the men's league in sweden i believe so i think he's used to playing with big bodies uh now i don't know how the swedish league compares to the nhl i don't know if it's yeah. a really heavy league but um i, I, I just think the pasta pasta was the yeah. same thing right pasta had the skill set but it took a few years for him to to fill out a bit and then now now you see him it's tough to get the puck off him at times most of the time if they get the puck off of pass. That's because he, you know, he tried a, a drop pass, uh, you know, behind the back pass, or he gives it up some way. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. I remember when Pasta first came up, he looked like Bambi on the ice at times when he's kind of yeah. trying to control the puck. A guy sneezed near him, and he'd lose the puck. Um, I think coming into if he were to come into the league right now I, I still think his puck possession skills much better than where pastas was when he first came into the league but mm-hmm. i believe pasta is like an inch or two maybe even three inches taller than um lysol anyways but lysol yeah he played you know i'm it's not that much heavy hitting over there and he played in the queue this year he did have some injuries that he was battling this year in the queue he came back. He did a phenomenal job, but and I, even their head coach said, "I don't, I don't see him coming back to the team this year." And I, I believe that he'll play a full season in the AHL. Um, maybe he'll get a call up here or there if he's really lighting it up in the AHL. But 
you know, give him a training camp. He 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 did phenomenal in the rookie game in the rookie showcase games. Um, he won it in uh, in a shootout for the Bruins today at their last game. Oh, that was a beauty! Did you get? Yeah, to see that? yeah, no, quick release yeah. there too. Yeah, the, the kids got he's got a phenomenal. I mean, in the first game, you saw it too the quick release, the shot, and you saw it in the world juniors too. I mean, he can certainly pick his corners, but it's a different game when you're playing against you know 10 year vets who are uh, you know, fighting to get a sniff of the playoffs or the cup or anything like that, and they're doing anything possible to uh, you know, basically. It, it, especially if he's going to be playing against a four, if he's playing fourth line minutes and going against other fourth lines, he's going to be going against guys who are fighting to stay with the big club as well. And guys who will do dirty, play dirty, do dirty things and do whatever it takes to uh, shut down that fourth line, outplay them. And, you know, so they can stay with their big club and, you know, do their job. And that's where I think it's important for him to, uh, and I think the Bruins can even learn from bringing up pasta when they did, uh, from that mistake, maybe Pasta was brought up a little too early because you could definitely tell that he needed to add the size. So I think, I think the appropriate fitting for Lysol is a full season in the AHL, like you said, and barring any major injuries that you know we shouldn't expect to see him this upcoming season in the NHL, maybe towards the end of the season, if he has a f- great season in the AHL and, you know, you call up some guys towards the end of the season, rest some guys, but that's really where I see Lysol ended uh, landing at the end of training camp. There's, there's a couple of things uh, too, is that <clears throat> he might come up where they might keep him up after training camp, which I, I, I totally kind of foresee happening. Uh, after training camp, giving it, he does well, um, and he does well in some of the preseasons. I see them maybe keeping him two, three games. Let's see how it goes. And here's one of the things: is we're talking now. We're very used to Julien. We're very used to Cassidy and their view on playing the young guys. Yeah, I know. I know Monty mentioned. You know, he doesn't want to play too much uh, around with success, but I don't know off the top of my head, um, what his philosophy is with youngsters. So he might say, hey, let's give this kid a shot, right? So that's one thing. And if he does well, do you take this kid out of the lineup or do you just keep him there? And you just let ride it, ride it until, you know, it's time to send him back down. But then there's the NHL limit, which I think is what? Nine, nine or ten games? Nine games? Yeah, nine games, yep. Right. Uh, so that's the other thing. Um, I I think he can make some noise. Uh, just to 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 round off the question, I think he can make some noise. I have a hard time seeing right now who whose place he takes with the players yeah. we have, and I think he would benefit from a full season in the A. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I mean, unless. Craig Smith gets injured somewhere, someone on that right side. Yeah. Hopefully not because that wouldn't be good because we're already missing Marshy, but excuse me. Um, yeah. I, I, unless he really, you know, forces Sweeney's hand at the end of training camp, I can see them giving him a shot to, uh, to start the season. 
at the end of training camp and give him maybe his nine games, because I think if you send him down after before the nine games are up, you have the decision to make. And if you keep him, I think you burn a whole year, I believe. I, yes. I believe yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you certainly don't want to do that. I'm sure he'd be happy with burning the year and, you know, get closer to a year for a contract year for him so he can get absolutely paid. But yeah, I, I I think that's unless he really forces Sweeney's hand and the coaching staff's hand. And like you said, I don't really know Montgomery's situation with the young guys and how he goes about it. I guess we'll all find out together. Uh, I didn't pay too close of attention to the stars when he was coaching the stars. Um, and obviously I, I'm assuming he's great with young guys anyways, because he was crushing it, uh, in Denver before anyway. So I think the most fitting option is the AHL, unless he forces, you know, management's hand and he gets some shots, but I, I, I think he really has to showcase his skill and shock a lot of people for that to happen. Because if you look at it, the top nine's basically solidified, even with, um, Marshy out right now. You got Krejci coming back, and that second line solid solidified. Uh, basically, the first line as well with the new addition of Zaka. So it's going to be tough for him because you're not going to just add him to the team um, just because he's doing great and you know get him on the fourth line to take Felino's spot and help bond him or whatnot. But there's also there's also and. We'll transition into this because there is there are a few guys. Well, maybe a few guys for you. There is one guy for me that I have in mind that could be possibly a dark horse to make this opening night roster outside of Lysel. I think from what we've seen the last, I would say, week. Yeah, about the last week and certainly over the weekend. For me, it's um, John Beecher. Dude. Yeah, same. same. <laughs> yeah. He is a he's a big boy with a lot of fucking speed and he has been impressive. Um, I still think he's maybe half a season away from being ready for or at at least half a season away from being ready for the big club and maybe playing a few more games down in AHL with uh, the Providence Bruins. But I don't know. He's another guy who could force management's hand there. And, you know, and he would be a perfect guy for that fourth line with his size and speed. That's, that's what I was thinking. See, now that's a guy that you can bring up and play on the fourth line. And I, listen, I got no problem for a few games taking Nosek out, considering Nosek season last year. And uh, I think it's his last his contract year, right? So yep. he's done after this. So I have no problem playing. Uh, Beecher, it fits his role a little bit more. So I, yeah, that that for me was the same the same name that um I thought of. Uh, by the way, did you see Lauko go at that kid today? Yeah, I did. Fight? Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got some dog in him. I friggin', I love it. That's um, and he he's another guy who I could see uh being up with the team more often than being with the big team more often than not this season. Um, He's just, I don't know. I I really like his game and I know the boys that short shift uh, like his game. So I haven't seen a fight like that from one of the Bruins, maybe since Thornton was here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I know it. And it was, 
it was right after the uh, shootout winner by Lysla, right? No, it was. Um, I think it was at the uh, the end of the second. There was oh. some or, or there was two two fights. There was one that Edwards uh, fought a little bit, but he missed. Like he was just throwing punches to the air. He actually got a few. Yeah. But there was some kind of scrum that Lysel started because I think he tripped one of the New Jersey players and there was some shit talking after and Lauko just came out of from nowhere, just materialized out of nowhere and just started wailing on this okay. guy. Yeah, because you know, I saw him like Lysel kind of start that and maybe kind of stick his foot out a little bit or not even that, maybe just didn't even try to get out of the way, but yeah, I did see that, <laughs> but that was great. That was a great clip to watch. I, um, uh, yeah. I thought the whole time that was right after the game winner. So I was like, oh, this is even better, but no, that's, that's great. You like to see that, especially in the young guy, uh, just, just in the prospect challenge too. There's really no meaning behind, uh, this prospect challenge, but to see him get a little fiery in the game and, you know, throw some haymakers, it's, uh, that's 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 fun to watch for as a mm-hmm. Bruins fan because it reminds you of just old Bruins hockey when you know the, the time like you remember when um like Sean Avery in between uh it was like a commercial break Tim Thomas was on one knee just chilling basically and Avery skates by him and like knock taps him on the head on purpose but tries to play it off mm-hmm. uh and then next thing you know, Tim Thomas gets up. The whole team's like throwing haymakers at each other and whatnot. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Thomas didn't need any defending. He just, you know, I remember, uh, I, I don't know if he would win most of the fights, but he would get feisty as well. I mean, you remember game seven? Or it was uh, not not game seven. It was it game six or game uh, three uh, here in Boston where he body checked? Uh, uh, one, it was, uh, one of the Sedins, right? Yeah, I was gonna say Thumb and Louise, but uh yeah, one of them. Uh, oh yeah, that was yeah. classic. Yeah, you they know, were just standing right classic. in front of the net. He yeah. just yeah, I remember that. Yeah, no. Yeah. I I know And I love this explanation. His explanation, well, he grabbed the puck with his hand and fifty percent of the time you won't know where he's gonna drop it. So I figured yeah. if I just body check him. All right, Timmy, do your thing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. That was, yeah. Tim Thomas was a little feisty out there too, so that mm-hmm. was great to watch. Uh, that was always fun. But yeah, though I would say, I would say mostly Beecher, but Lauku, 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 Lauko. Oh, Jesus, I'm terrible with pronunciations. But I would say those are my two dark horses to possibly make the opening night roster and really give that those fourth line guys a tough time i know you got no sick you got felino and felino i know you guys talked about it on short shift but you know felino coming out saying no he's feeling the best he's ever felt and he feels young again and all this stuff saying all the right stuff so the new coach can read that and be like oh that's like chara saying i still have something to give and he plays two seasons and it's just like falling off a cliff, right? I, I, players, I guess, you know, uh, it's hard for them to let go. It's hard for them to, and justifiably so, right? You've done this a whole career. It, it's very difficult. It's not every player who can, you know, um, look at themselves and internalize the fact that maybe uh, their career is past the point where 
they're relevant on a nightly basis. I'm sure he can have great nights here and there, but you know, yeah, to justify and, keeping a roster spot at that salary is tough. I know, and I know uh, if you bring him down to if you send him down to AHL, I think it only saves what just over a million or something like that. Um, yeah, not even that much money, but at this point million dollars is like the equivalent of 10 million dollars in cap space for the Bruins right now they need every fucking penny they can get but yeah. i mean i i hope he's right i hope he shuts us up because i that con i liked the signing at the time i loved it i um i thought felino could really bring i thought felino could really bring something to the team not just in the locker room but on the ice as well and you hear great things about him and he seems like a great guy, like salt of salt of the earth, dude, like just amazing dude. But man, it's, it's hard to cheer for a guy when he's just a liability on the ice, not producing or anything. He's just looks slow and old and he's just really showing his age. And I think we were all excited. Cause I was excited as well. Um, I think we were all excited because we know, what he what he's done in the past and we know what he he brought to locker rooms in the past and what what he's done in, in certain playoff runs the issue is and and i said something like this on twitter today when people were talking about uh, you know chara being undecided and i said you know nostalgia and you know the memory of a player is great but that doesn't win you games and it doesn't win you a cup so you know, sometimes you have this thought of a player, what he was, um, but it's not necessarily what he is. So sometimes we get caught up in that. And I was guilty with that um, with Foligno. I remember I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And it was like towards the end of the day. Uh-huh. I, I think he was it was either him or uh, Allmark. That were, I think it, they were the last two signings announced. I can't remember which one came in at the end. If it was Allmark or Foligno, and I was super excited about both of those. I was, um, yeah, I was definitely more excited about Allmark because I remember him with with Buffalo, and he did have good numbers, and he did kind of, you know, do well for a decent team, for a pretty shitty team. Thank you yeah. for a pretty shitty team uh in buffalo over there and he still had decent numbers and i know he was a big body but i was i was excited about felino because he wasn't terrible he wasn't great uh before he came to the bruins but he was productive on the ice he you might not see him on the score sheet but he was doing something right on the ice it felt like almost every shift especially when you played against the bruins uh Mm -hmm. he's a former captain and stuff like that so i was excited about that but that's a guy who you're kind of stuck with his contract at this point now. And so you have nothing, you have no choice, but to cheer for a guy like that. And I, you know, I, I want him to prove us all wrong. I want him to produce because then it's a win for everyone. And you know, it, but with these young guys coming up with a guy like Beecher, and I know he's a centerman, but he also has played some wing and he's just, he's a whole lot faster than Felino. I would say he's he's could possibly at some point throughout the season get stronger than Felino, and um, I think Beecher's skill could really do some damage against some other fourth lines along with his size, and that's why I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he made the opening night roster, assuming he has you know a good camp and 
he turned some heads and whatnot, but I, I, I don't, I, I can't see Beecher also making the team just because he has a great camp. You can't keep a guy like that on the team and health bomb him every three games, you know, and then he gets a game in and whatnot. So I, I think you really have to utilize a guy like Beecher, a young buck and make sure he gets his reps in when he's playing. But he, like you said, he's, he would be a perfect fit on that fourth line. What about a guy like, uh, uh, man, I'm going to butcher this. Merkulov. Oh, Mark's. <laughs> I, I totally forget. I, I, um, Mark said his name, uh, the other day or yeah. I know Dom, night. Dom says it all the time, you know, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, Shout out I'll, to Dom, by the way. I hope he's doing well. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's doing well. Uh, I, I, listening to their latest podcast, it sounds like it, um, sounds like he's home and he's doing well and he's expected to make a full recovery. So that's good. Uh, great for him. Great for his family and great for obviously the fellows over at the at uh at the Black and Gold podcast, but. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I still, I'll never know how to say his name. I mean, you could literally sound it out for me and I'll still fuck it up. But I think that's a guy who still has to work on his game a little bit. But he does, it looks like he has a very high offensive upside from what I've heard and what I've seen. Um, I think the biggest concern is his 200-foot game. But I think last time I had Mark on, he was saying, how he's improved in that aspect. So I don't know. I mean, he, when he signed on with Providence last season, he seemed to turn some heads down there. I don't pay too close attention to Providence. I mean, obviously I'll watch some games. I'll watch all the clips and highlights and whatnot, but I don't get the AHL package and stuff like that. I usually rely on guys like Mark for that. And thankfully he's coming out with that podcast uh, this week or next week, uh, Providence report. And he'll definitely keep us up to date on that. But yeah, that's that's another guy I wouldn't be surprised by. I think he got a uh, he had a goal today too, right? Nice one, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't watch all the highlight. I didn't see all the highlights today, but mm-hmm. he, yeah, I, I would say I would say those would be the top three. But there's, well, do you know where Mason Lorai was? Is he? I know he's probably at school, but I was kind of surprised. He hasn't been part of this, right? Oh, is he? He's recovering from an injury, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think because I remember he played last season, or he he was part of the training camp or rookie camp last season, I believe, mm-hmm. or so I thought. But I remember he was battling some. I think it's a knee injury. Could be totally wrong. Um, I'm sure Mark will correct us. Correct us. Yeah, absolutely. That's another guy who I have high hopes for at some point to come up on the back end. I just, I wasn't, by the names on the back end, I'm not necessarily impressed with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. There could be some names that could surprise us and come up, but I think our, I think our defense is pretty, solidified yeah. to start the season as well you know you got that plenty of depth on the left side you don't have many right shots but we'll have to kind of wait and see see a little i mean training camp is going to start later this week right 
uh, Monday, I believe. Oh, I think so... if I saw right from Mark, it starts next Monday. Oh, next Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So another week of captain's practices, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Monday. Okay, 27th is Tuesday. Okay, I'm because I was looking to go Bruins play at home that Tuesday, so I was looking at their tickets for the preseason game. Yeah, so I, as far as the back end, I don't necessarily have a guy in mind who I would think who could possibly make this opening night roster. What do you think of all this? Uh, this um, there was a lot of talk of it today because one of his sticks was spotted in a picture, but uh, this talk of Chara and uh, at the same time, since we're talking about Chara, there's also the um, the pasta extension, which seems to be looming in everybody's mind. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought both those up because I thought it was funny because the Chara stick along with like John Moore sticks next to it, but the Chara yeah. stick was the Easton stick that he hasn't used in years. I, I forget when Easton stopped making sticks, but he I know he's been using Warrior for the last few seasons. So people saw that and they were like <laughs> they're like freaking out. But I, I didn't really think anything of it. Um I know he stopped by Warrior Arena last week just to say hi to the guys and whatnot but I well the family's still in boston right he still lives in boston yeah, yeah yeah so he he's i i think i think he even said that he's gonna continue to raise his family here after his career and i wouldn't see i wouldn't be surprised if you know i know he's still mulling over his career last i read like it might have been today or yesterday um so he hasn't made a decision yet but i don't see him <laughs> I don't see him uh, coming back with the Bruins. If he does come back to the Bruins, it would be within the organization as a coach or, you know, you know, he went to Chris Kelly and, you know, work with uh, McQuaid and stuff like that, work with some player development and whatnot, because um, I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt to have him around the ice and, you know, teach guys like Zaboral and stuff who are coming back for, from an injury in it and it's an important year for him as well and just because before his torn acl he was having a coming out party it felt like so mm-hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if he does retire this year that you'll see him around warrior a lot more and possibly at some point in a coaching some kind of coaching or some part in the organization especially with the bruins because it sounds like he doesn't want to leave boston at all um well, he belongs in Boston, right? Just not as a player anymore. That's that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love Z. I mean, I listen. I uh, I was upset um, as a fan. I was upset when um, he decided to leave. Slash, you know, the Bruins gave him um, a reduced role. Uh, I was a little bit upset at that, but that's just you know uh, me loving these players that you know you 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 see on a daily basis when you're watching, right? So you fall in yeah. love with these guys, you fall in love with their roles and, and, you know, the achievements that, that they have for your team. But I honestly, the best case scenario as a Bruins fan was, was would have been that he had retired two years ago. Yeah. But it's tough to see him deteriorate to the extent that, that he has. And I know that he was useful for some parts of it but we're used to seeing him at such a high level i know so seeing, yeah 
And when that year, the first year when he was with the Caps, it was just so weird. And you almost felt bad seeing him on the ice against the Bruins in the playoffs because he was, he had nothing left in the tank by that point in the season. And Mm -hmm. Peter Laviette didn't even want to put him on the ice at all. I feel like he's trying to, you know, save him at that point because they knew the Bruins were going to abuse him and, use their speed to go right by him. And he obviously had a tough season with the Islanders and the Islanders themselves had a tough season, Mm -hmm. but I don't see him coming back. I I thought it was a funny, um, I think Clark Nylons, Nylon. Uh, Clark. uh, Yeah. uh, Neil Lyons. Uh, He's a good, by the way, he's a really good follow. Uh, He's really knowledgeable uh, when it comes to, uh, to his hockey and the Bruins. Um, uh, yeah, he tweeted that out with, uh, you know, the, the the eyes and caught everybody's yeah. attention. Yeah, <laughs> every everyone erupted and was like, holy shit, it's going to happen. But no, I mean, they get so much equipment and sticks throughout the year that, you know, like, what are they going to do? That Easton stick is old as shit. So probably been sitting there for years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trainer probably has no idea that it's right there, but mm-hmm. I am glad that you brought up the pasta extension as well because pasta's, um, what did he come back? What was it, Friday or Saturday? Uh, I think it was over the weekend. Over the weekend yeah. that, uh, yeah. yeah, that you saw, you know, the Bruins post clips of him and whatnot, and you got some quotes out of him um, about an extension. That's one thing I did want to touch on is a pasta extension because that's really as a Bruins fan, our biggest concern right now. It's not if Bergeron and Krejci are going to play after this year with those two guys, we'll worry about them this season. And then after that, we'll worry about that. And they'll, they're not even thinking about next season mm-hmm. Um, as a Bruins fan, and especially Bruins management, uh, 50 goal score is hard to come by uh, someone with that kind of shot and scoring touch is hard to come by. And you finally have him, a guy like Pasternak, who you can't afford to lose, certainly not, because he will be a UFA at the end of this too. So if he reaches the open market, then you could be totally fucked. So I I do want to see the Bruins get something done before the season starts, but I still think regardless that he will be a Bruin, if nothing is reached by the start of the season. And before I get your thoughts, he did have a quote that uh, Connor Ryan tweeted out on if his priority is to remain in Boston. He, uh, he said, yeah, we love it here. This is our home. This is where I became a man spent unbelievable years here with Rebecca. And we are really happy here, but my focus moving forward is to be ready for game one. So spoken like a professional, obviously. Um, And he definitely, I mean, he's a guy who he's embraced Boston with open arms and he's been, he just, he's a great guy and he's always just happy and he's just, he's a fun dude. And uh, I would hate to see him go, but it sounds like he wants to stay for sure. Um, you know, there were rumblings earlier in the off season that Fluto was putting out and whatnot, but I don't believe any of that. And I know you called me out on the short shift for something oh. <laughs> I, I, I quote tweeted because they were saying this sounds like there's trouble with the whole posture knock thing. I didn't even read that article. 
I just saw the headlines and I'm like, oh my god, this the Blackhawk fans are fucking saying this. But um, so I had to quote tweet it and you know, kind of chirp back at them. But yeah, I'm not worried about the whole Parsonok deal. I still see him getting, I would say maybe a McAvoy deal, eight years, nine mil, maybe nine mm-hmm. and a half. Um, where where do you stand? What do you think of the whole Pashnak contract situation? Uh, I think I think it's it's gonna get done. For me, I re- I think back to uh, to uh, McAvoy last year. It was last year the beginning of last year he signed the extension, right? Was it just before the start of the season? I believe just before, yeah, just yeah. before. So, but there was no rump. From what I remember, there was no rumblings that he was going to be signing or that they were talking. And the next thing you know is they announced the the extension. So I think uh, I think Sweeney's good at at this type of thing. If there's one thing that um, is a strong suit is 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 retaining talent that's already here he's done it a few times already um i think this is uh and i had t- tweeted this out the other day i think this is a deal that gets done in an hour when they finally decide to okay let's get serious now and uh, it gets done i think both parties see what they have in 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 this relationship uh like you said he checks too many boxes for boston uh whether it be the goal scoring whether it be you know um one of the many faces of the franchises and one thing that gets uh we we don't talk about a lot is we always talk about this core that is exiting but i feel we don't talk about another core that's being formed and you know i think he's part of that core him mcavoy carlo um with the addition of lindholm even though he's new these are big pieces that start to form another core. And that's part of also why I think uh, the Bruins are not going to be, let's say, to use another word that I've used, uh, irrelevant like the Montreal Canadiens have been for a long time. They might have a couple of rocky seasons, but I think there's enough pieces in place here that you can complement. And I think he's part of that. So you have a guy now that you can consider him. Maybe he's not the same uh, leader that uh, uh, Bergie is, and I mean this—that's a generational guy. You're probably never going to see a guy like that again. Um, but I'm sure he's a leader to a certain extent in the room. So now you have a face of the franchise, uh, a guy who scores you big goals when they're needed, and uh, a leader in the room. So why not? back up the truck and give him what he wants. And I don't think he's going to come on 12 or 11. I think anywhere between nine and a half and maybe 10 and a half at the most gets it done. And I have no problem with that. Not for pasta. Yeah. I I think um, it, it's just his energy is kind of radiating. Like it, it's just, it, it's affectionate and he's just an all around great guy. The media loves him. He gets along with everyone. Um, one thing I do remember him saying though is when he did sign, I think right before he no, was was it right after he signed that extension or they were talking about something and he was doing a interview and with the media obviously, and they asked him a question. This was years ago, so my memory's blank, but I remember him specifically saying he 
he's not playing for the money, for money. He's playing for the yeah. love of the game. I think it was uh, Jimmy Murphy that uh, that asked him that. Okay, and yeah, he, uh, and he and he answered him. I think he goes, uh, "I don't play for money." Yeah, Kept it short and sweet. And to a certain extent, I believe that. I mean, it's very similar to what Bergie said this year. I've made more money than I could ever imagine playing hockey. Yeah. You know, I, I alluded to this a little bit on uh, the short shift of my um, Esposito story where he was saying, you oh, know, yeah. up until he was 30 years old, he was still working the summers and making ends meet. So, I mean, you, you see now the, the, the amount of money that hockey players make. Mm hmm. You know? And and even so, like I'd I had imagined he wants that eight year deal, um, just for that comfort and you know, knowing mm-hmm. that he is solidifying that money for himself and for his family, but also if he really wanted to uh make some serious cash, but also want to stay with the Bruins, he could sign a, another, I guess, bridge deal, maybe two or three mm-hmm. years till the salary cap really goes up even more um and then he can sign that big ticket but he's also a guy that's getting older um yeah. i mean he's still a young buck but if he does another bridge deal then he's got to worry about his age coming into effect and uh with negotiations and stuff like that but i see him signing an eight-year deal i see it you know i don't see him going above 10 but even if it's a eight years 10 million i'm happy with that because uh, that's that's a goal scorer that the Bruins haven't seen in a while that can easily just stand at the top of the faceoff circle on the power play and put home fifty. Uh, he he's he's no Alexander Ovechkin, but he uh, his shots impressive and mm-hmm. and even his you you've seen and I'll I'll even give him a break this year too because of what he dealt with last summer and all that. But uh, you can see him playing with Bergeron and Marshy over the last however many years that his hockey IQ does go up year after year. Uh, I wouldn't say he has the best hockey IQ, but his two-way game has improved. It gets better every year, personally, I think. And I think his hockey IQ is getting up there. And yeah, sometimes he gets a little too cute and he tries one too many moves or he wants to get cute and, try a little toe drag or flip it between his legs or whatnot. But I, th- I think he's a guy who's still learning the game um, from a mental aspect and adjusting to it. And he's really benefiting off of a guy like Bergeron and Marshy. And I mean, a guy like Marshy had no business being one of the best left wingers in the game when he first came into the league. And he, you know, with his hockey IQ and with the, like, you know, the dog in him, he fucking, you saw it in 2011, he started from the fourth line and became a Stanley cup champ. And now he's one of the best left wingers in uh, all of hockey. But it's a lot to what a guy like Bridgie does with other players. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy who not, he's not just a goal scorer. He's getting better with away from the puck as well every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he had that core injury last year that was you could see was definitely bothering him. Um, and obviously he had to miss some time for that. But even before that, you could see it was really starting to bother him. And then he finally got that injury and finally got the rest that he needed. And he came back and he was OK. And I know people are coming at him about I saw someone and I think I might have even seen you comment on it, but someone 
said he shuts down or he's not productive in the playoffs when he has pretty good numbers in the playoffs. I think he had one bad off season and might've been last year's or, or the bubble. I'm, I'm not entirely sure at some point, everything becomes a blur, but um, yeah, it's a guy like pasta though. Long story short, you can't, um, you can't afford to let a guy like him walk no, away. We're in agreement there. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I'd imagine most Bruins fans, logical Bruins fans, that is, are. Um, he's just, uh, yeah. When, when you're losing a guy like Bergeron, and I get it, he's just a winger. He's not a centerman, so he doesn't. He's not going to be as productive and as important as a centerman. But he's a guy that you can't afford to lose because if you look at the lineup and what you have coming up, you don't have another fifty goal score. Um, and not. It's, not- I mean, Lysol doesn't guarantee that yet, but he has yeah, potential. it's too early to say that, but there is yeah. some potential. There is some potential, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, when Pasta came into the league, did I ever think he was going to become a fifty goal scorer? No, but or become... but there was the same excitement, right? There, there yeah, no, there there certainly was, was because you could see the talent there, absolutely. But yeah. there were times at the beginning of his career, I was like, is this guy ever going to adjust to the NHL and? be stronger on his skates and whatnot. And the thing that Lysol has gone for him, he's a far better skater than Pasternak. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie said where they were when, you know, he was 18 or 19 when where Lysol is at 18 or 19. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So we're basically in agreement with that. You, you say, you know, no more than 10 and a half. You can see eight years, 10 and a half is basically what you're saying at the most. I, I would think that's that's as, as high up as it, it could possibly go, but it, it could definitely be lower than that. Yeah. It, it I I also wouldn't be surprised if it was eight and eight. I mean that would make me happy as hell, but yeah. excuse me. But we'll see with that. Maybe maybe Bergeron will be in his air a little bit and just say, you know, take a little less. You know, if if a guy like Sidney Crosby is can get paid under nine million for that many years, then you can take a little bit of a pay cut, but uh, one more thing before, cause I, I do, I know uh, we're kind of close, but I, I know I want to hear a story that you have to share, but before we get to that, I want to just touch on real quick. Where do you think Krejci, oh, not where, but how do you think Krejci will pan out this season with the Bruins? He finally has that solidified left winger and right winger that he's been begging for for years he's coming back he is a year older he'll essentially be two years older by the time by the end of the season when we last saw him play with in a brewn sweater but what 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 are your realistic expectations for a guy like uh a guy like Krejci this season who i think he's 37 going to turn 38 during the season i'm gonna go off uh, I'm gonna go off the books, uh, off the books or off kilter a second, because based on what everybody's saying, realistically, I think, and I, the guys were saying I'm the, the eternal optimist. I, I, I think he doesn't miss a beat. I think he comes back, especially with the wingers he has, and I think Krejci himself is gonna be Krejci that was here a couple years ago. I think he might even be rejuvenated with him coming back here uh, and having done what he wanted to do. Um, so I, I think Krejci is going to be fine. Did the you see that is, interview he did today? 
how happy he looked. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. he's gonna. I I think Krejci's gonna be fine. My issue is more, how is the rest of the team gonna be with these injuries? That's that's what. And are we gonna not um, notice how Krejci is because the rest of the team is struggling? That's my worry. But I think Krejci himself is gonna be just fine. Uh, in fact, I expect him to have a little bit more jump than he did. A couple years ago, uh, in the bubble, yeah, so I'm not worried about knowing, that. Yeah, and especially knowing that this is probably and could be his last NHL season. Um, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to see another year after that. Uh, I think you even noted that on short shift that you wouldn't. I just... noted that for Bergey, and I definitely yeah. note that for for Krejci. Yeah, yeah. I, I think these guys, if if they have a decent season and they see that there's potential in the room and they feel good. And it's, and obviously it's also a family decision, right? Um, they feel good about it. Uh, I think they, uh, I, I think they possibly stay on one more. Yeah. that And I would absolutely love that with a lot of cap space opening up the following season and then probably taking lesser deals and even again after another season, but we'll deal with that when that day comes. But, Originally, I thought Krejci was, I just, I'm excited for Krejci. He's definitely an upgrade over, um, who the hell's the, uh, the guy we traded for Zaka? Uh, oh, uh, Hala. Hala. Yeah. Hala. Well, he, yes. he did, you know, he did it. Kre- Krejci's job. a first line center on most teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you finally have your one, a one B again. Um, you were kind of dealing with, uh, you had Bergeron and then just a pretty far fall off after that as far as up the middle. Um, I think Coyle's fitting in perfectly. I think when they signed him to that extension, they projected him to be Krejci's replacement, but he just never formed into that player, and that's totally fine because he found his home on the third line. But having Krejci back for another season, and, dude, this guy is going to have a full season with Taylor Hall and uh, David Pasternak. That coming back, and I think that's one of the reasons why watching his interview today, why he was so as as excited as he was. He looked like a little kid in the candy shop today uh, watching that interview. And I saw a few clips by uh, one of the camera guys for the Bruins who who basically records and edits behind the B, the guy Penzi. I don't know his actual name off the top of my head but i saw some clips and he was just in the locker room again and he was just having fun he was happy to be back and he put on his helmet and he's like oh he's like this is the nhl and then he puts on his helmet he's like oh my yeah he's like my head grew since then (laughs) yeah um but he just looked happy to be back and it was nice to see him finally on the ice uh with the boys uh today and i'm excited to see him get some reps in and he's going to have a full season with two legit wingers that he won't really have to uh, worry about. I mean, and like you, I know you noted it and all three of you guys noted on the short shift podcast that he's a guy who likes to slow down the play and he's got guys with, he's got one winger with a lethal scoring touch and he's got one winger with lethal speed. So the guy with his hockey IQ and being capable of slowing down the game and opening up ice for those two, I think everything a Bruins fan could ask for. I think, uh, you know, obviously in the past, the last few seasons he was here, 
he was begging for a winger and, you know, they wouldn't give him pasta. Pasta was staying up with the Bergey marshy line. I refuse mm-hmm. to call that the, the P word, the, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, yeah, I'll say it. I'll say it. I have no problem with it. The perfection line. And the reason <laughs> I have no problem with it is because when that line, when everybody was clicking on that line, doing everything they do best, it was perfection. No, it, I mean, yeah, it basically was perfection. Yeah, I just uh, it's it's tough to uh, call him that, but yeah. So I understand why they never broke that up. But then I'm sure I'm sure Krejci's watching some of the games last season, and they saw that they finally broke up that first line and dropped Pasternak down to Halla and with Halla and Hall, and he's like, "What the?" F-? He's probably thinking to himself, "What the fuck? Why couldn't they do this for me?" Yada yada yada. But um, no, he's here. So he's here with his wingers. He'll get a full full season, barring any injuries, of course. Knock on wood. He'll get Pasternak and Hall, if not both of them, at least one of them for the full season. And that's something a guy like him is, I'm sure, is looking forward to. And knowing that it could potentially be his last NHL season, uh, or or if it's not his last NHL season, could potentially be his last season with the Boston Bruins, which I don't see happening. If if he's going to play in the NHL, I feel like it's going to be with the Bruins past this season. But, yeah. you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, that was – um, I, I feel like Krejci's going to have a very solid year. I don't think he'll um, put up crazy numbers, but he'll be very solid. He'll He'll produce – I'm sure he'll get a lot of assists with guys like Hall and Posnock right there, just to dish it to, and you know, a lot of one-two punches right there, and uh, some backdoor touches. And and if he doesn't, everybody's gonna tweet at us, and we're gonna be to blame. Yeah, yeah, I know. So <laughs> I'll just have to delete this episode. So <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah, or we just stand on that hill and just say watch, and then playoffs yeah. come around and they light it up, but. Before we wrap it up, um, where in the standings do you have the Bruins? I, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but realistically, where do you have the Bruins finishing the season? Um, not before the playoffs and just in the standings, um, you know, uh, I think we're the same uh, wild card spot. I think it's going to be tough, uh, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I maybe see them stringing, um, stringing a few good wins together like when everybody's healthy towards the end of the season and they they end up back in the wild card spot if they were healthy i think they would have been higher up but unfortunately i think the injuries are gonna are are gonna take their toll a little bit at the beginning of the season i do think everybody's gonna come back earlier than than what they're forecasting so i yeah i think we'd even touch on it but uh marshy they did a golf tournament uh one day last week marshy was there they interviewed him he said he was going to skate actually the following day and that he plans on to have a return late october so basically a month into or no sorry late november so Hmm. he basically intends just to miss the first month of the season and that's probably i would say a month and a half maybe a little over a month than we were anticipating because when People heard about the surgery that he was having. They were like, we'll be lucky to have him back by um, the Winter Classic. But here we I are. I said, I immediately tweeted. Didn't you um, find one of your old tweets? 
Yes. Yeah. I immediately tweeted from May 27th. Marshall is going to be back uh, American Thanksgiving or earlier. Damn. Watch watch them come back that because they always play on that Black Friday. Well, yeah. you know, the Friday after Thanksgiving for um, he always you have to Bruce, remember. They, I'm sorry, Nick. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say they always play that Friday after uh, Thanksgiving. Watch that yeah. be the first game he comes back for. Then you can really stick it to Bruins fans and just fans in general. Yeah. Um, we have to remember, they always give us the worst case scenario. But these yeah. guys are athletes. Their bodies are fine, finely tuned machines. You know, they're not like us sitting on the couch drinking beer. Uh, so, as we're um, doing right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, but uh, I, I said it immediately, and uh, I won't be. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody else comes in earlier as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, um, I anticipate the injured players. I mean, Grizzlick's already skating. I don't know if you follow McAvoy on the IG, but he was out and about in the city over the weekend rollerblading uh, with mm-hmm. his dog, so he seems to be doing okay. You saw him dancing up a storm over the summer as well and uh, having himself a summer, but um, mm-hmm. and he got engaged and all that, and he's living his best life, and he seems to be recovering just fine. Uh, as far as we're, we know, he's the only Bruins injured player that isn't skating yet. I know that everyone anticipates um, Mike Riley. I know he had a surgery, but everyone anticipates him to be ready by the start of training camp which is obviously a few days away. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks like everyone's going to return earlier than expected because if Grizzik's already skating, Marshy's already skating now as we record right now, uh, I guess the biggest concern is McAvoy, but we'll have to, hopefully he starts skating soon. Um, yeah. maybe, may, it, if anything, just on his own, because that's one guy I, we obviously won't get into it tonight, but that's one guy who the back end will really miss to start the season. So to have a guy like Marshy back earlier than expected and potentially Grizzik, that could certainly help because Marshy has a great two-way game and the forwards are really going to have to help out the D because they could potentially struggle with guys coming back from injury and like, you know, Zaboro coming back from the torn ACL and, um, not many right shots. So it could be, could be a bit of a struggle, but mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, hopefully we're wrong about that. But with that, um, I guess, uh, is there anything else Bruins related that you want to uh, bring up? I just wanted to share a quick story yes, uh, I, before I, we I, sign off. Because somebody last night on Twitter, uh, when we were talking about me being um, on the show, um, or no, I tweeted something out about Montreal. And somebody asked me, how is it being a Montreal fan? Um uh, a Boston fan in Montreal, sorry. Um, I believe the account was uh, Deben PA. Uh, so I'll share a good a good story about being a Bruins fan. So we go to the uh, Stanley Cup final uh, in 2011. And game two, I believe, was um, a Saturday afternoon or, or an early Saturday evening. But it was beautiful summer, sunny day. Uh, living in suburban Montreal, um, uh, I had a buddy of mine who was a Bruins fan who lived up the street. So we were alternating games. So we watched game one on my house, 
and gig two at his house. So I walk out of the house, a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It was just like the movies, kids playing outside, playing hockey, riding their bikes. Um, and I walk out wearing my Chara jersey. Now, if you remember, that was the season that there was the whole Pacioretty oh. incident, right? Yeah. So I walk out on a street full of hat fans. Yeah. Now, I'm at one end of the street. He lives completely at the other end of the street. <laughs> so I walk out and I start walking up the street. And as I'm passing um, all these fans and their kids, you would think I was the Black Plague. As I would pass, <laughs> everybody went quiet yeah. and would just turn their heads and like look down in sadness. And they couldn't say anything to me because we're in the Stanley Cup final at this point. And it was it was so satisfying for me. But really, if you're looking at it, it was really eerie because everywhere I would get to, the street was so noisy, got so quiet by the time <laughs> I made it to my buddy's house. Anyways, so um, flash forward two weeks. I, I happen to have been home uh, for the full uh, two weeks of that series because we, we happened to be doing our landscaping in front of our home. So I took two weeks off. And the morning after they win the cup, I was outside with the workers at 7.30. I essentially didn't sleep uh, that night. But I was outside with the workers, and these two guys didn't follow hockey at all. But the kids were still in school, and I didn't have any kids at the time. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the porch. It's like 7, 7.30 in the morning. Everybody's getting ready to go to school with their kids and to go to work. And I live on a, on a street full of hab fans, except for me and my buddy. So as they walk by my house, everybody looks over at me and starts bowing and saying, bowing their heads and saying, congratulations, wow. congratulations. In French, they were like, felicitations, whatever. And my, my, the guy who was working for me looked at me. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? I'm, he goes, I'm, I'm guessing it has something to do with Boston. He goes, but, it's either that, he goes, or you're some kind of godfather. He goes, I've never seen this kind of show of respect. I said, the Bruins won the cup last night. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I've never seen, it's like a movie. I've never seen anything like this. That is that fucking hilarious. Was incredible. That was that, an incredible part about being a Bruins fan in Montreal. Holy shit. Yeah, that must have been the best feeling in the world. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God, man. I would, I would, the thing is, I would have ate that up for as long as possible and like walk by everyone, making sure they actually bow down to me. Oh, the amount of times I played We Are the Champions that summer, like outside, yeah, was insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I milked it for everything I could. Yeah, I would have had on repeat all summer just rubbing it in their face because I'll tell you what. If I lived in Montreal, or even if I was surrounded by, uh, yeah, if I was surrounded by Montreal fans and they won the cup, mm -hmm. I would you wouldn't catch me dead, uh, bowing down to them. I mean, yeah, they definitely gave us a run for their our money, uh, back then. But yeah, that that was 2011. I didn't realize earlier that season that's when the whole uh, Pacioretty thing and Chara. Yeah, it was went down wow i thought it was even longer than that but that yeah, is that, uh, that was an ordeal to deal to live through that that whole season then makes for a crazy story as a bruins fan living in montreal because you had that happen earlier in the season and then obviously bruins had that crazy uh 
overtime. What was it? Nathan Horton scored the OT winner to clinch Absolutely. the game seven. So everything went quiet. Yeah. Oh my it was god. So everything went quiet that night, and for the rest of the summer, I I didn't hear a peep. Oh man, so beautiful. Before we sign off, that that game seven against Montreal, two thousand eleven. Um, where do you remember where you were? Were you home? Absolutely, I was. No, I was home. Uh, my wife went and see some family, and uh, um, um, that night my buddy wasn't able to come because we were we were alternating the games. Uh, so my wife ended up going and see some family, and she said, "Come." She goes, "Well, we're gonna, you know, watch the game there if you want." And they're all hat fans. So I said, no. I said, I can't watch game seven surrounded by hat fans. I was literally sitting upstairs on my couch in the dark with nothing but the TV on (laughs) and expecting the worst. You know, like I said, knowing the history. And I I don't think I was able to speak for two days for the amount of screaming I did when, when Horton scored that goal. Because for me, it was like, it wasn't just, beating Montreal it was beating Montreal and knowing that you know it's carte blanche for me at that point in yeah the city. and it's been like that for me really for the last I don't know five six seven years you know and and not it's only been, that just as a Bruins fan getting over the hump of beating Montreal in the playoffs and yeah you know that was the first round I believe right yeah yeah, that was the first round. Down 2-0, um, and we came back and, and, and we beat them, which was yeah. even more satisfying. Yeah, and getting over that hump. and uh, We should do a podcast yeah. just on that game. <laughs> we should just do an episode uh, game by game, just break down each game per episode. Yeah, and, uh, that'd be there. great. That might have to uh, – that might be something worth digging into because I would love to relive those days. I mean, Jesus, mm-hmm. it's – I know it was what eleven years ago, coming up on twelve years ago, but yeah. sometimes it feels like yesterday. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I am I am jealous of that to be a Bruins fan of Montreal at that time. Though that must have been a blast yeah. that year. Mm-hmm. But all right, man. Well, I I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know it's getting a little late, but uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I I appreciate you, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on and telling that story. That's uh. That's Thanks awesome. for having me, Nick. I appreciate oh, it. Oh yeah, I it's I feel like it's long overdue, even though I'm new to uh, this podcast is new and newly mm-hmm. out there. But I feel like it's long overdue. We've uh, always had fun on Twitter with each other, so absolutely looking forward to having you on again. Looking forward to uh, hop on your podcast at some point this season. Shoot the shit and interacting with you more over the course of uh, the season and buying uh obviously more of your artwork and loading up my yeti with your stickers and laptop with your stickers and getting the coasters and all that sweater weather's among us too so i'll have to buy some uh hoodies that you sell Uh, i appreciate that bud yeah of course i you're you're a good guy you're a good friend and not only that but i love your artwork you do a great job so and you get creative it's none of this uh you know basic brewing stuff that you see people print out it's mm-hmm. uh it's fun it's it's uh artwork that definitely intrigues me and you do a great job so if i can help out a friend and you know i look good doing so with uh the coasters and stickers by all means i'll do so but again i appreciate you coming on do you have any i know um 
if you want to plug your podcast and yeah people people could follow me at uh at born brewing 77 uh they could always check out my shop uh born brewing shop at the red bubble uh that's where i sell all the merch and uh the podcast should be coming uh, pretty soon uh it's gonna be once a month uh you can look for updates at my twitter account uh, born brewing 77 or at the born brewing pod um and uh, that's it awesome man awesome looking forward to that and uh yeah no it gave me a good laugh when you were talking about uh the pod your podcast coming out and talking about you know going doing it once a month and thomas was talking about how hard it is to do a podcast once a week with kids and mm-hmm. stuff i know yeah. you got you got what two young ones three three holy shit yeah yeah you yeah. got your you got your hands full there that's for sure <laughs> But no, looking forward to that. Um, that'll definitely be fun, a fun listen and uh, all that. So looking forward to that. And is this your first night with the mic too, testing it out? Yeah. So I'm curious to see what the sound is going to be like. Yeah, no, you sound good. You sound great. So that'll be good. Um, break it in. But again, man, I appreciate it. Uh, it's It was a blast talking Bruins hockey with you, getting uh your backstory and all that as well that's always fun and interesting and i'm sure a lot of fans are going to uh love that story as well but i appreciate you coming on looking forward to interacting with you over the course of the season having some fun and uh talking Same here, hockey. and looking forward to definitely having you on again because it's just a lot of fun so anytime my friend all right buddy i'll see you next week then <laughs> all right <man. laughs> no nah, i appreciate it man but uh That'll wrap it up for episode four of Only Bruins. I appreciate you guys tuning in and Ange, not Ange. Get it right, Thomas. Ange, I appreciate you hopping on. I know it's like my fifth time uh, showing you some love, but it, it, it certainly helped me out. And I'm glad that I was able to get the uh, smoke alarms under control before you hopped on. But guys, I'll wrap it up. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you follow him on Twitter and uh, check him out. Uh, check out his artwork as well and check him out on it's redbubble right yes redbubble.com um yeah check him out there it's great that's an easy site too to order some of your stuff but yeah guys till next week we love you all stay cool peace